Hello and welcome to Strip Back the Pages. In this episode, I'll be talking once again with Steph Goodacre, who will be reviewing a James Patterson bestseller, 20th Victim, from the Women's Murder Club series. And then, we discuss a topic that is still making the headlines. Big headlines. Prince Harry's tell-all memoir, Spare. Let's get into it. So, Steph, welcome back. Thank you very much. So, how are you? Fine, as always. Excellent. So, life's been treating you well, then? Of course. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. So, obviously, the plan was you were going to tell us all about your latest book that you've been reading. Yeah. What was it? James Patterson's The Women's Murder Club, 20th the Victim. Right. So, yeah, tell us about it. Well, as usually, as the poor mate, I mean, the main character is the detective Lindsay Boxer. But uh, there's also Claire Washburn, who's the medical examiner, Yuki, the lawyer, and Cindy, who is a reporter. Yeah. Each one of them has a sort of side story going on as well. Okay. That are always different. Uh, this book, Lindsay Boxer's husband, his best friend from his college days, uh, gets in touch with him, asks him to go and see Dave's dad because he's ill. And then the next thing we know, Dave's father's died, but Dave is convinced he was murdered. So he's asking Lindsay's husband, who's... He's a former Marine. He, he worked in certain departments of the government and uh, he's asking him to help him prove it. Right. And then Claire Washburn, who's uh, the medical examiner, she sees Lindsay and tells her that she's been diagnosed with cancer. Right. So there's that ongoing story and how she's doing. So you, you, you never get bored with one character. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's based on the fact that it starts off, there are uh, three murders in San Francisco. Yeah. But they've all been done at half past eight in the morning. What, bang on half past eight in the morning? Yeah. Okay. Well, the first one wasn't. It was done outside a takeaway. Yeah. And the bloke was shot, obviously, from a great distance. Single shot to the forehead in his car. His wife sat beside him. Nobody understood why, because he's a, a sports, he's an athlete. Yeah. But then it transpires he was selling steroids and drugs to his friends. Then there's a couple who are in the music industry, quite a high-powered couple, who are both shot at half eight in the morning, single shot through a window from a distance, Yeah. both perfect headshots. Then as soon as they get the news for that... That's at 8.30 in the morning. Then all of a sudden, in the centre of America, there's somebody else in Chicago shot at exactly half past eight in the morning. And then later on, the news comes in that somebody on the East Coast has been shot at exactly half past eight their time. Right. And uh, through a lot of guessing and quick thinking and everything else, it transpires that it originates from a video game that was on people's tablets, phones, whatever. Yeah. But if you go deeper, there is a sort of sub-game that has set these usually ex-Marines 
to kill known drug dealers. Ah. Because in one case, there's a policeman killed and they then discovered that he was actually a naughty policeman. Ah. But uh, in the end, Lindsay gets the one in San Francisco. So... uh, So it sounds like a vigilante. Yeah, it is a kind of vigilante organisation, but it's not just what a vigilante usually works on its own. Yeah. And the problem being in this book is majority of the public are actually on the side of the gunman. Yeah. Because they're cleaning up their area, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it has to be that the law is followed no matter what. So no fantasies about being a part-time uh, vigilante? <laughs> no, no. I don't think I could be bothered. <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, James, he's got a great plot there. Well, apparently he's already published. He's up to number 23 in the Women's Murder Clubs. Yeah. And all of them except two have got to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, impressive. And for the last 11 years... He's been the most borrowed author from UK libraries, mm-hmm. which is why I usually get mine from charity shops, car boot sales, because if you went to the library, you'd wait months to get hold of them. Yeah. Mind you saying that, I think you told me oh, a few days ago that you'd ordered the next book direct from... I've ordered t- number 21. Yeah. I've already got number 22, but I want to read them in order. Mm. But I've also got a new private book, which is about the private security firm that was set up by an ex-Marine. And uh, they're quite good as well. Yeah. It's deciding whether I read 21 when it comes tomorrow or whether I read private Mm. first. I like to have a choice. Oh, why not? Exactly. I have also got one of the Alex Cross ones I haven't read yet. I mean, out of the three, obviously the Women's Murder Club, Private, Alex Cross, have you got a favourite? No, because there's also um, Michael Bennett. Yeah. There's NYPD Red. It just depends what I get my little mitts on, doesn't Mm. it? Mm. They're all good. They all. The one thing about Mr. Patterson's books is... When you look at the back and you think chapter 100 and something, but they're all very short chapters. Yeah, I remember you saying before. And they're just easy to read. Yeah. You know, Instead of falling asleep halfway through a chapter <laughs> and then waking up with the book in the bed with you and trying to find where you got, you can actually finish a chapter and put the book down. Yeah. Do you have any favourite characters? I think you, you end up with favourite characters from each genre. Yeah. Because... Like Michael Bennett, you you just instinctively like him. He's got ten adoptive kids at home, God's mm. sake. No wonder he works so hard. <laughs> um, Alex Cross is a fascinating person with yeah. his partner. And uh, they're all different. So tell us about some of the characters from the different books. Alex Cross is a black man. Right, yeah. In Washington. Yeah. Not only is he a detective, he's also a doctor of psychology. Um, very, very clever man. His partner is also a big black man. Yeah. Who is the only person on earth allowed to call Alice Cross sugar. Mm-hmm. Michael Bennett is white. Yeah. With, like I said, 10 adopted kids. Yeah. Lindsay Boxer. Her father was a policeman. She's a policewoman. Uh, she's now married to Joe. She's got... A daughter called Julie and a dog. Her dog's a border collie called Martha. Oh. 
And, you know, they're all totally different people, which makes them interesting. Yeah. Because people are quite interesting. Yeah. So long as you don't actually have to mix with them. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like murder books so much. Because I think we've all met people in our lives that actually it's been quite tempting. <laughs> yeah. Not uh -huh. that I want to name anybody. Well, no, of course not. So going back to 20th Victim, what was your favourite part of the story? I don't have favourite parts. Okay. It's sort of fascinating how they're all interwoven. You're learning about, like I say, Claire Washburn's cancer treatment. Yeah. And then there's a bit where her husband is talking to Lindsay because Claire's husband plays in the Philharmonic Orchestra. Then there's Cindy, the newspaper reporter, who she falls out with Lindsay because Lindsay wouldn't give her information on one of the murders mm. because she couldn't. Yeah. But then she has a, a sort of side story where the newspaper she works for sets on another reporter who really tries to do the dirty on her. How? Uh, well, he, he uh, she nipped out to interview somebody and he went on her computer and nicked her story and put it in as his. Ah. And then when he made a move on her in the car park and she threatened to get him the sack, before she went into the office, he went there and accused her of sexual harassment and said to her boss... You know, that's not fair, that's not fair. Mm. And uh, her boss sent for her and he's sat there gloating because he hasn't researched just what Cindy's like. And the boss just turns around to this bloke and he goes, OK, pick your wages up, you'll be paid to the end of the month, you're finished here. <laughs> yeah. You know, but mm. uh, there's all little interesting bits along the way. Yeah, and obviously very gripping. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, I mean, somebody asked me the other day, I was reading in the sitting room, and the television was on. Yeah. And somebody went, how can you read while the television's on? Right. And you think, well, well why couldn't you? But then the person who asked me was a man, and they're good at multitasking anyway. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but believe it or not, some men can multitask. Oh, all men can multitask, <laughs> but only in certain situations. Okay. Uh, they can drink beer while they watch football on the telly. Well, I was thinking more musical. As you know, I had a church music background. I mean, that's how my musical life started. When you play the organ, you've got to think about pedalling, your hands. I don't know if you know this, but fingering techniques you use on the organ are completely different to the piano. And then, of course, you're reading the music, unless it's memorised. All these stops... Toe piston, stump piston, swell box. Yeah, but that's still only doing one thing. You are playing music. True. But, I mean, you could be thinking about other things at the same time. <laughs> and then you wouldn't be playing music. You'd be making a racket. <laughs> yeah. Don't try and beat me, NJ. It won't work. Why not? I'm just smiling. <laughs> I love it. So, Steph, do you know how many books James has written? Not in total. I do know he had his first book published at the age of 26. Yeah. But he didn't have his first bestseller till he was 40, which just goes to show how dedicated an author he must be. Yeah. His uh, first bestseller was an Alex Cross book. Right. Along Came a Spider, and it is good. But he does hold the record for having the most number one bestsellers in the New York Times book list over any other author. But 
you know, 14 years to get a bestseller, mm. his dedication, because he was still working as well. He uh, was the CEO of a, a company in America. Right. Don't know what the company did, but... Uh, and he's now, I believe he's 75. Right. So in 35 years, he's churned out some goodens. Yeah. You know, if we're on Women's Murder Club 23 now, and only two of them haven't hit the New York bestsellers list, it's a bit unnerving, really, isn't it? You know, he must have had he must have had an off day. Yeah, it must have done. But it explains why he always writes with somebody else, who obviously the majority of the women's murder clubs have been done with a female author who obviously thinks the same way he does. Yeah. You know, and can add out characters and describe things. But apparently the, the idea of the Women's Murder Club books was so that he could get more popular on the West Coast of America because Alex Cross is based in Washington. Yeah. Michael Bennett's based in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, NYPD is obviously New York. And there was another author, and I can't remember who it was, was out actually outselling him on the West Coast. Right. So all of a sudden, Lindsay Boxer appeared in San Francisco Police Department. Mm. You know, so not only is he a good author, yeah, he is a very clever, strategic businessman as well. And the private books are all over the world. You know, there's private Delhi, private Moscow. I think I've read one private London. I can't remember. I've read so many. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, and they're all over those. So what is it about James's writing that you like so much? What sets him, what sets him apart from all those other authors? It's easy to read. Yeah. The chapters are short, so you can pick it up and read a chapter before you have to go out somewhere. Although, I must admit, if I pick it up, it's not one chapter that I'd read. I just wouldn't bother going out. But, uh, yeah, they're compelling. They're interesting. And like the Women's Murder Club at the beginning... Lindsay Boxer wasn't even married. She was seeing Joe, but he was based on the east coast of America. I believe he worked for the FBI at the time. Yeah. And uh, they were travelling backwards and forwards, and it was awkward, and they had rows and stuff. And there was just her and the dog Martha. Yeah. Well, now, at book number 20, she's got a daughter who must be two or three. Still got the dog, but she's married to Joe. Yeah. You know, so... the characters progress. Yeah. And, of course, then... Because, I mean, I think to write a good character, the reader then becomes almost friends with that character. So they like to see the progress. They like to see how the life unfolds. Friends? Get out of here. Don't believe in having friends. <laughs> They're a liability. <laughs> you have to buy them Christmas presents as well. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So why would you recommend people buy books written by James Patterson? I mean, clearly you'd happily do that. For that very reason, they're very easy to read. Right. You you could go to a shop now and buy Women's Murder Club number 22. Yeah. And I've never read any of the others. Yeah. And you will still get involved in it. But uh, it's much better if you progress along the line. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what number I started on. I picked it up somewhere. Because it was Alex Cross books I first read because my daughter-in-law had them in Ibiza. Yeah, I remember you saying. And uh, I must have found the Women's Murder Club either in a charity shop or car boot sale and thought, oh, 
let's see what this is about. And mm. now I've got all sorts to follow. You know, and there's a few private ones I haven't read yet, but I've got, what's the one I've got at the moment that I've just bought? Private Rogue. Right. And it's actually based in Afghanistan, mm. which is going to cause problems for Jack Morgan, who runs a private security firm, because he was in the Marines in Afghanistan. And, you know, as opposed to Prince Harry boasting about his escapades against the Taliban, I don't think Mr. Morgan does. Mm. I mean, talking about Prince Harry, have you read his book? NJ. Yeah. I've just told you the kind of books I like. Why on earth would I want to read a book by somebody who is potentially, he's addicted to being a victim? From what I can gather from, I mean, I was watching something on my phone last night that it was from Australia. Yeah. I don't know how it got on my phone, but still. And they're disgusted with him. Yeah. And one valid point that somebody brought up is, even if he did kill 21, 25 Taliban, mm. he left England and complained that he'd have to pay for his own security in America. Yeah. He's let everybody know where he lives mm. and then states that. Yeah. Then he moans he got frostbite on his bits. Yeah. Do we really care? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and... The total disrespect for his family. I know. I mean, all, all families have arguments. You know, I mean, I'm Irish. My God, we're brilliant at it. <laughs> but, you know, you don't go and write a book about them. No. The book would be too big to hold, probably, but that's beside the point. Mm. Mm. And it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, but at least the wonderful thing is that the royal family have just maintained their dignity yeah. and ignored it. Mm. And it has actually impressed the Americans no end. Yes. The fact that the British royal family just go, get on with it, son. Mm. And apparently all her celebrity friends that were invited to the wedding are all backing off. You know, I think those two have got a nasty shot coming. Yeah. And I just feel sorry for the kids, you know, but... And apparently he's writing three more. Yeah, it's a it's a four book deal, isn't it? Apparently. Mm. But he was he was saying well, someone was saying in one of the one of the reports that book one would have been eight hundred pages. He's cut it down to four hundred. There's at least another one. But so by book four, we're going to get sort of a pamphlet. Are we? Oh boy! You know uh, how much slagging off can he do? I know because okay, he safely knows that the royal family won't answer back, but. He's alienated all his friends that he was in the military with. Yeah. A lot of his friends in this country, because allegedly Meg didn't like them. Yeah. Um, he's got to be a bit lost. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He's, he's alienating everyone. Yeah. But... And I was saying, you know, oh, being a royal was too much. There were too many rules. Well, surely she could see that from a distance. I yeah. mean... I'm an Irish commoner and quite happy to be an Irish commoner, but you can see the way the royals have protocol mm. and certain way to behave. Yeah. And apparently one of her complaints was something about having to fold a napkin in a certain way. Mm. Well, I don't know whether she knows it or not, but that is not a royal rule. It's a standard etiquette rule. Yeah. 
that you fold a napkin in half over your knees, you know, and the open half upwards so that if any food falls in it, it doesn't go to the floor. Yeah. And, you know, I just go and live in the sunshine, leave us all alone. We're not interested. Mm. We like William and Kate. They, They maintain their dignity and yet they look to be fun parents. Yeah. You know, the kids are normal, mm. you know, so uh, very much doubt Louis will be writing a book in 50 years' time, do you? <laughs> very nice answer. Probably get done for being a traitor and stuck in the tower now. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, no, because all he done is support the royal family. So... Oh, that's all right. It'll be the Americans kill me, will it? No. Well, my grandmother was American, so you couldn't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> OK, all jokes aside... What advice would you give Harry and Meghan? Shut up. Mm. Nobody's interested. Yeah. You were never a great Hollywood star. Mm. She lived in Canada and she made a Canadian TV series. Yeah. Clever girl. Mm. She's hooked herself a prince. Yeah. Fancied the big, you know, the glamour. Yeah. And then realised it came at a cost Mm. and didn't like it. Well, you know, you've got your mum, you've got your kids... You've got your husband, you've got a beautiful home that you would never, ever have had if you hadn't married Harry. So appreciate what you've got and get on with it. Yeah. Well, I said on the show a few weeks ago, I would love somehow for there to be reconciliation, but they've got to stop this stupid. No. I really don't think that will happen. Mm. Because he's insulted the whole institution of the monarchy. Yeah. So now he lives in the Republic. Mm. Let them get on with it. They had Donald Trump as president, <laughs> you know, and might have again. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> That's me really being shot by the CIA or the FBI, but still. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, it's freedom of speech in this country, though, isn't it? Oh, yes, yes, we're okay. We're okay. So I'm guessing you don't think they'll attend King Charles' coronation, then? Um, I don't think so. Or if he did, I don't think she would. Right. I think they've put King Charles in a terrible position. Yeah. Because if he doesn't invite them, people are going to go, oh, so they've really fallen out. Mm. If he does invite them, that's not very good for William and Kate. Yeah. But they will maintain their dignity if they did turn up. I mean, it was the same at the Queen's funeral. They all came out from Buckingham Palace and walked and looked at the flowers, didn't they? Yeah. But uh, I don't think Meghan can take the fact that Kate is more popular than she is. Yeah. She has to be number one. I mean, did I, obviously this all happened before Spare, but I really, I really thought there'd be some hope then with that walk around. Yeah. But sadly... But don't forget, Spare was already written by then. True. Yes. You know, because then you've got to edit it and get it in print and all yeah. the rest of it. Obviously, there's the audiobook as well. The Prince Who Harry reads recording. the audiobook? Prince Harry. Does he? Mm. Oh, dear, that would be something to go to sleep by, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so... Do you read any other genres, or is it really just murder mystery? I like Lee Childs. Yeah. The Jack Reacher books. Yeah. But he's apparently retired, and there's one just come out that he's written with his younger brother. Yes. 
David Baldacci's good. John Grisham's good. Mm. But I think it's the variety of books that James Patterson writes that yeah. ma- means he's probably the main author. The uh, good old Mills and Boone books, I used to read them when my kids were small because you pick them up and after the first page, you know whatever goes on in the middle, they're all going to live happily ever after at the end. So if the kids need something, you just put the book down and you might pick it up for two days, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whereas if I'd had James Patterson in those days, my kids might have been hungry a few times, <laughs> although they made too much noise when they were hungry. Yeah. You know, but uh, I prefer the murder mystery genre. It's mm. more believable because, let's face it, there's plenty of murders. I know. For a million and one reasons. Yeah. Stupid ones. Um, I can remember reading a newspaper article many years ago about something like the, the 10 stupidest deaths. Right. Or murders. Yeah. And, you know, two blokes fighting over a, a cigarette butt in an ashtray. One pushed the other. He fell through the glass-topped coffee table and cut his jugular vein. Uh, Two blokes coming out of a nightclub. Best friends for life from nursery school. Yeah. And one of them was picking on a bouncer and was about to get his head caved in. So his mate punched him to try and wake him up and get him out of the way. He fell and banged his head on the edge of the curb and died. You know, stupid things like that. Yeah. Another bloke got stabbed because he was selling cans of Coke at some festival and somebody nicked one and when he challenged him, this bloke stabbed him and he died. Yeah. You know, for a 50p can of Coke. Mm. It's just sad and senseless. Yeah. Whereas the other genres, I mean, the happy ever after ones, life isn't like that. You know, you you don't get married and go off into the cottage with the roses around the door and... Never argue, because if you say you've never argued in 40 years, you haven't lived together for the last 39 and a half, you know, or you just hold a knife to the throat of the person who, so they don't dare argue. Yeah. If you can't, I mean, you argue with your family who are brought up exactly the same way you are. Mm. It goes without saying you're going to argue with somebody who's been brought up differently. Yeah. Stupid things like, I mean... Trying to think what my ex-husband and I first started arguing about. Oh, the fact I had a milk jug. The fact you had a milk jug? Yeah, he thought I was a snob. Oh, boy. It was part of the tea set, and I hadn't even bought it. But uh, love and romance are all right to a point. Mm. Historical novels don't appeal to me anyway. Yeah. Mainly because I had the world's most boring history teacher at school and hated it. (laughs) Science fiction enough interesting things on this planet let's not bother going to the others <laughs> you know why waste all those all that money when we can't fix this one well I, th- I think a lot of that is it's escapism isn't it i mean whatever genre you want to escape well to... yeah i mean at least with murder and mystery you can sort of think of the people you dislike being the victims occasionally you know yeah. hopefully and <laughs> you know you don't carry it out but as, as mentioned earlier. <laughs> then you find out how they get caught and you go, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have done that then, would I? <laughs> uh, so going back to the 20th victim. Yeah. Obviously, we don't want to tell our listeners how it ends because we want to encourage them to buy the book. Yeah. But is there anything else you want to add about it? And Well, the very clever thing about Mr. Patterson's book yeah. and all of them is when you finish them, the next page is a list of all the books he's written. Yeah. 
And then there's about 15, 20 pages of another book. Right, yeah. In the case of the 20th victim, it's actually the president's daughter, which was co-written with Bill Clinton. Oh, right. I suppose he could give details of the White House and yeah. certain things there. So that gets your interest. It does. Peaked. Mm. You know, but then the trouble is then I have to go around all the charity shops and car boot sales and try and find it. (laughs) You know, but uh, I think I've got two or three possibilities for the next one. I was going to say, what uh, what delights have you got for us next time? Well, I've got a choice between an Alex Cross book. Yeah. A private book. Yeah. Or the next... Women's Murder Club book. Mm. I'm not too sure which one I'm going to start yet. Okay. What do you think? I'll leave that to your discretion. And All right, then. I very much look forward to, or we very much look forward to, uh, hearing what you read next. Okay, then. So, well, thank you very much. Not at all. It's been absolutely brilliant. And look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, then. Take care. And you? Bye for now. Bye. So there we have it. The lovely Steph Goodacre. That's it for this week. You'll find the details of James Patterson's website in the show notes. You can connect with me by either emailing stripbackthepages at gmail.com or you'll find me on Twitter at stripbackpages. Once again, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic week. This is your host, NJ, signing off. Thank you.